Okay. What's going on, everybody? This is Terry Torrington. You, oh shit. What's good, everybody? This is Terry Torrington, and you're listening to me now at No Days Off. Hold up, wait a minute. Take a load off. How you feeling? If you're looking for a place to work through it, well, you found it. No Days Off. And it's been great because we had a conversation recently with my cousin. Her name is Drea. Mm-hmm. And we it was cathartic for her. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, she got to kind of, like, let me know how she's still feeling about certain things. Yeah. Oh, it was tea. It was, it was, it was, I was like, who knew that this mm-hmm. would be the place where after all of these years mm-hmm. she's a transgender woman mm. and i come from a jamaican right right family. you know what's so <laughs> funny i didn't even ask you how because i was i was because <laughs> I, I was like not shocked but i was like whoa like we're getting like really mm. deep down into some stuff and i was like Okay, and I, I don't even. I don't even. Mind you, we talk about everything under the sun, but I don't know why I didn't say. I didn't talk to you about that and like how it made you feel, and not necessarily like exposing family business, but mm-hmm. you know having that level of vulnerability mm-hmm. to you know have that type of conversation that you guys probably may or may not have had. You know, we haven't. You know, and that's why I was like, ooh. And I, I don't know, maybe I just thought it was very sensitive where I just never brought it up, which I wish I would have, but how did... Yeah. How I mean, did, and even, yeah. you know, she and I haven't spoken since that as well, so we have to do a follow-up too, but mm-hmm. um, it was great. I thought it was great. I mm-hmm. thought it was wonderful that we were able to have that moment. One thing that I often do think about and that I do fear mm-hmm. is about being in front of the camera mm-hmm. and having certain parts of my life being spoken about okay and and it's not because i don't want to talk about it it's honestly because it's not just my business it's other people's business as well now see that this is the tea about having children and i always say you got to be careful (laughs) like (laughs) if you want to be a parent you have to like really think about that shit yeah because that child is not you that child is not an extension of you that child is a part of your tribe absolutely Mm -hmm. but that is somebody and that's going to grow up to be somebody. somebody. And we live in a day and age where that somebody will tell your tea okay. on the internet for the whole world to know. <laughs> right. It's not like it was back in the day. Yeah. And I consider that because mm-hmm. there are certain things that have happened behind the scenes, obviously, during my upbringing that have impacted who I am. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I want to tell people why it is that I may see things a certain type of yeah. way. And then I'm like, mm, but it's not just my business. Yeah. And I cherish the relationships mm-hmm. that I have with my family now because we've done a lot of work. So just because we started in this place and I can anecdotally tell you what that is, mm-hmm. people are so insane in this society now yeah. that they will take that sound clip and they will attack like my family. Absolutely. I can't believe it. And it's like, excuse me, she's amazing. We've moved past that. Get yeah. over yourself. But if they don't grab that whole sound, Mm -hmm. bit then it becomes this one thing so in that moment it was like my one of my fears realized Mm -hmm. but i took a breath and i appreciated the universe having the universe's way from a production standpoint i think that it is still fine to release that information Mm -hmm. i think that 
there is nothing that we can do to take Drea's story away from right. her. Drea will tell her story everywhere she and goes. It's important. And she has the right to tell mm-hmm. her story mm-hmm. because it's a story of so many people. And it's yeah. my story as well. Yeah. It's, it's it's mine. And I get to tell mine as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I as far as I'm concerned, the things that she was saying were extremely valid and extremely factual. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that is her perspective. Mm-hmm. And as terrifying as it was, I was like, this is amazing. And this is what I set out to do. This is exactly what I set out to have these kinds of moments and let people know that it's in those places. Because what I told, what I mentioned on that podcast was that, you know, all of this time you've been thinking about it this way. Mm -hmm. And those people are living their lives like it's golden in certain ways, Mm -hmm. not necessarily conjuring up the feelings around what they felt at that time because maybe because they moved past it mm-hmm, to a certain extent mm-hmm. um and maybe doesn't also because in the same way it doesn't impact it the same right. way so you have to make sure that you're managing those things and i feel like in her being able to talk about that mm-hmm. it it will help her yeah. carry that along yeah. mm-hmm. and i think that that's really important because mm-hmm. she deserves to be happy she gets she deserves closure absolutely and only she can give herself closure because right. at the end of the day it doesn't matter what the fuck it doesn't at matter all. what my mother thinks it doesn't matter what my grandmother thinks it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what my aunts think or anybody in this family thinks about who she is she yeah. doesn't owe them shit and their opinion Period. does not fucking matter mm-hmm. at the end of the day including and i have told my mother and my aunt and everybody that say your opinions mm-hmm. of who she is does <laughs> not matter mm. you're not paying her bills right. you did not make sure that she was safe yeah so shut up <laughs> the end yeah. and we've had some really staring your face down <laughs> and you were uh, and you were just all okay it's <laughs> what you want to do right listen get <laughs> i said program, what i said right with the program because you know i will never come here ever again and you guys will never see me ever again <laughs> he's always threatening his family like if you i'm know, here for right, it i love it too because you have to hold people accountable mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's really important but what i love about uh you and drea's story is that even yourself just the 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 way that you are able to like because we know we talk about a lot of stuff but even the way that you're able to implement that type of stretching for yourself to have that type of conversation uh that's rooted in heal trauma but also rooted in healing because like being able to speak about you know something and you know it could have went there but that we didn't really know we know we had a specific but it's all a part of it comes with with the territory so yeah we were talking about something specific Maybe didn't necessarily know that would come up in that way. But again, that's a very real moment that's also attached to her story and mm-hmm. your story and the healing process. So it's it's beautiful to be even able to witness that level of honesty and healing and uh, like self-accountability to mm-hmm. be able to be like, well, I, I'm I going to have these types of conversations on my podcast with my cousin who has a very unique experience, who we have a very unique experience that's dynamic, we separate do. and apart and yes. all that stuff, you know, and that is what again i love about no days off and it's those those things that you do that help remind me and us like what what we can do to make things better in our lives what we can do even if uh, it's it's hard like that wasn't easy that Mm -hmm. stuff is not easy but we have to stretch ourselves and i think that is you know a very simple but yet difficult you know what i mean it's very it's the same but you know what i mean and it's it's like it's it's vulnerable (laughs) which we know is important you know it's vulnerability which we know is important now you know it's all of those things wrapped up and i i just appreciate again being able to be a part of that witness that experience that because it it really encourages again 
other people, but more specifically myself, to implement those things in my daily life however I can possible, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's just great. Yeah. I think so. I'm, I'm definitely going to go back and listen to that episode because that sounds like the dynamic alone is just like, wow. The, where are you hearing that? Where are you seeing this? You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm like, I need to go back. Yeah, that listen. one was. And I actually heard from a cis. I don't know how he identifies. I just know that he's in a heterosexual relationship yeah. and he has a child and or children. And he was like, yo, I watched that. I listened to that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, episode with them, with a transgender women mm-hmm. and, you know, the black men who love them. Yeah. And he was like, that shit was crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like, thank you so much for this work mm-hmm. to help bring like that perspective and, yeah. that, and to bring more understanding mm-hmm. you know and i was just like and then someone else kind of like with that same sentiment reached out as well and has like a very similar right. family structure and i was like i don't necessarily set out like mm-hmm. when we have a conversation this is for cis straight men mm-hmm. to do yeah. better it's it's actually like to get into the story mm-hmm. and inspire that if you are in that place in your life this real story because we're going to go as far as we can possibly go Mm -hmm, right because mm -hmm. once again there's so many things to take into consideration when you do shit like this but it's like we're going to go as far as we can go Mm -hmm. and if that is what is needed to draw empathy from somebody who has no fucking idea Mm -hmm. then it's like it's cool and it's it's amazing to see it because these episodes are not getting a thousand plays yeah but they're climbing and they're getting there and it's and it's inspired by these conversations that Mm -hmm. we don't often get to hear and that's exciting and it's real and it's real people and Mm -hmm. this is what we you, to, again, to have Josh on the show, Andrea, or I was like, this is, to me, it was like groundbreaking and just my, to, for the experience that, like, that I, I want to have. To be able to, you know, see even things played out in pop culture with, you know, Malik Yoba and to have that experience and really have conversations with real life because there's a, there's a difference between like the celebrity we all know that there it, you know it bleeds into each other every now and then but a lot of you know things that are i guess popular out aren't as really glamorous when you think about trans women's lives in real life yeah as opposed to Car- that carmen woman who was there with her titties out <laughs> and just like oh you know what i mean struggle struggle boohoo like it's mm-hmm. not like that's not real life for I would say 99% of trans women. I don't speak for the trans community, but from what I've read and researched and yeah. the interactions that I've had, you know what I mean? It's very fucking difficult. Mm-hmm. So to be able to like see things like play out in whatever non-reality form and then be like, okay, what's really going on? Like, what is, like, how is it as, a, you know, uh, a cisgender man, you know, I guess heterosexual, you know, and how do you, navigate the world loving trans women and mm-hmm. that real life well, he identifies well josh identifies it, as queer he does identify okay. as queer because he he's a little bit more you know he's more what quote unquote awake. right he awake. understands he's awake. that if you're mm-hmm. going to be a part of you know the community you're a part of the community yeah it's, it's plain and simple yeah and and there's like a whole conversation to be had there yeah yeah, yeah. like with like let me well, let's not give the ideas away yes mm-hmm. don't do that put it put in the notes right but speaking of ideas i was well i was just you want to go say, you want to do it get on i was gonna it, say well we know we just started off we were just talking because you know that's just sometimes what we do mm-hmm. 
But you know this um, very chocolatey, velvety voice that you yes, hear on the other end? That very white. Come on, you gas me up. Gas me up. Can't get enough of your love, baby voice on the uh, to my left over here. Oh, uh, it is the incredible, the wonderful, the talented, the creative uh, Terry Torrington. Oh, thank you, thank you. We're gonna hit some claps. We're gonna hit some claps. I've been getting good with the. Uh, oh, this is the warmest welcome ever. Thank you, welcome, thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, you know, we've been talking since you got here about yeah. a whole bunch of different yeah. shit. And we're like, no, right. say for the podcast. Don't talk. <laughs> and you Stop. know what? And Stop. this is amazing because like now I, I was thinking because I was like preparing like a, a, some snacks because it just, it satisfies me. You better snack. It's like I want to make Ooh, snacks. You better make, snack. I'm going to make snacks for them. And I'm gonna, well, not, not make snacks, but buy snacks. Right. But Donovan's preparation is elite. <laughs> like, always. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank he you. brought the snacks in from his foyer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, listen, just leave the foyer alone, everybody. <laughs> but like you know, like I realize that that's going to be a, tra- a tradition. Yeah. Whoever comes in, we're going to come in. We're going to talk. Mm-hmm. We're going to like exchange that level of energy before we even mm-hmm. get in. absolutely because you can't have that sometimes in a studio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and getting in here, it's like we get to create that energy, and I love right. that. You yes. know, and that's what that's what makes it even cooler with like who we decide that we want to have right. on the show. And it's mm-hmm. and it's no different from like our everyday lives. I feel like every time, you know, in any capacity we get together, whether it's a, an event or yeah. if it's even if it's passing by, we've always had a certain level of exchange where it's like a yeah. level of conversation, a level of intimacy, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. always been like so and it just, it just kind of bleeds into the podcast, you yeah, know, because yeah. it's like, especially that we have you here, we're able to like, you know, pick your brain and, and just have mm-hmm. that like, you know, that kind of, how you been? What's going yeah, on? And then, you know, know, and then it just yeah. goes into life and then it goes into like perspective and then mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. evolves into this conversation of like, wow. And then, then we're like, okay, shut up, bitch. You know, I we got a podcast. I know, like, like, let's get into let's it. Get yeah, into, so, yeah, let's yeah, get into so it. So thanks again for being here. Thank yeah, you. And, and, and I, know, I know like the Terry Torrington I feel <laughs> like I feel like a lot of people know you as you know like the you know the owner or the co-director the core in charge the CEO all of mm. these things all of these titles yeah. around Slay TV mm-hmm. because as we know when you are the founder of a company you're literally building and you have right. to be everybody and everything. all things yeah. and a filmmaker especially mm-hmm. with you know Love at First Night like all of that yes. specifically is like what you're most known right. for but mm-hmm. We want to get into who you. He are. racked up a he, are. he racked up a lot of credits with Slay. He every he like yes. his resume. He's like I'm everything. I everything. Am everything. What do you want me to be? And I done did it all. Done it all. I'm what? also that. So I done yes. shipped it, mailed it, wrote it, directed it, filmed it, <laughs> okay. redirected it, taped it back together. Right. Okay. What you what you want to do? Yes. No, that's so for real. Who yeah. are you? Oh my yeah. god. Okay, I love being on the hot seat. Finally, yeah. someone wants it's to know. It's just a little warm. Yeah, <laughs> a little warm. Not yeah. too hot. Not too hot, too spicy. Um, <laughs> just a little warm. So where do we start? You want to start from the beginning? Anywhere um, you want to start. Because yeah. the thing is, it's like, it may where you start mm-hmm. started may not be who where you are now, and we want to get into know who True. you are. So you can tell us how you got here. So okay. tell us, feel free to tell us where you started. I mean, look, I was born here in Brooklyn. Yes, and, BK you know, all day. I'm one of the natives that you know Holla. is still here. Yeah, you know, it's not a lot of us left. Rare. It's very, few. it's very rare it's now. Very rare. And you know, I kind of take pride in that because I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't grow up in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I did spend about 12 years in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and then moved to Staten Island. So I spent my teenage years out there, which mm-hmm. was a 
very interesting experience. Mm, um, why interesting? Because uh, it's just this weird thing. So back in elementary school, I, I was, I got to give a lot of backstory on this. So I thought I was the only child for the first four years of my life. Mm. And um, then I found out I had two older brothers in Guyana, South America. Mm. And the thing is, my parents moved to the, the States while my mother was pregnant with me. And so I had this whole experience of being born and running around the house. Right. And I was a very bad child, like mm-hmm. specifically with my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you like to talk shit, huh? I, yeah, I talked a is lot of shit. Is that why you're like so reserved now? You're like, I don't yes. talk a lot of shit. I don't need to talk no more shit. It's, it's, it's both experience and trauma based. So it's just kind of like I've kind of developed into this right. very laid back type of thing. But I had to work to get here. Right. Um, so, you know, growing up, I found out I had two older brothers and then my sister was born right after. So I went from only child kind of spoiled to now having to share space. Yeah, basically. And it was just a weird experience because I'm American and my two older brothers are Guyanese and they're just looking at me like, you know, you little Yankee type of thing. I think there was resentment that this is just my own thoughts. I don't know. I never asked them, but it's just like, you know, your parents leave and then you come back and get us four years later. Who's this? You know what right. I'm saying? Like, where did he come from? He has all this stuff. He's having this American experience while they're back in Guyana with my grandmother. And I don't know what they're going through. I don't. I never asked, which sounds like a conversation I might want to have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just mm-hmm. got really interesting. You asked me about Staten Island, but I went back and I can't remember why now. Um, but that's fine. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. why was in- why was it why why was it interesting? Oh yes, like yes. living there because Staten Island is like a, a totally different. Yeah, it it culture. Oh, yes, yeah, I found out why I was getting there. Okay, so I was just very bad. Like I just I was oh, defiant. You know, I didn't listen to my parents specifically with my father. We butted heads a lot because mm-hmm. I just felt like he was a very dominant force, you know, in my life and I didn't like rules. I didn't like being told mm-hmm. what to do and my father was kind of like a person that would talk at you mm-hmm. and not explain things and I felt mm-hmm. like certain things i needed to be explained to me right. which we had this conversation now as adults love my father he's like my favorite person now we had to do the work to get to this place Amen. Oh, hey. back then it was just like oh I can, right and moving to staten island i got into a lot of trouble in school because a lot of kids didn't like me i was very talkative i hung out with a lot of girls mm. and i was like a class clown and so it was a lot of jealousy it was a lot of like boys not liking me because they felt like i had all the attention of the girls but it wasn't in the way that they thought i was just more comfortable around with girls and so i got bullied a lot that Mm. kind of thing it's like yeah girl i'm about to do slay tv you don't even know (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know i didn't even know (laughs) and so i moved to staten island and it felt like a second chance almost because i grew up in brooklyn in the 90s yeah that happens a lot yeah it was almost like i had to rebrand myself i had to re-identify myself because i got in trouble a lot for talking a lot i got in trouble for talking back a lot so when i moved to staten island it was just like let's try something different let's scale back let's sit in the back of the classroom let's you know this is the conversation that i had in my head and unfortunately what ended up happening was that became part of my identity and i lost the essence of who i was and Mm -hmm. so Staten Island was very interesting in the sense that 
I kind of like adapted and moved into this weird space of who I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also a teenager at this point, so now dating comes into play. Very crucial moments, and times. it's just like I'm pretending to like girls. I don't like girls. I really yeah. want to be with this person, but I'm not comfortable with myself and this yeah. type of thing. So it was like a lot of internal confusion going mm-hmm. on at that mm-hmm. time, and then also just living on Staten Island, where it was I was a little resentful of it because I'm like. I'm in New York, but I'm not in New York. Right. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's really weird over Did here. Did you go to uh, like go to New York? I mean, I guess Manhattan a lot. Um, no. Um, not until I was about sixteen, seventeen, when I started cutting school with my cousin, mm-hmm. and we would go to TRL. Oh, oh so I had the TRL experience. So yes. I'm really happy about that. T-R-L. Like outside with the sign, you know. I saw Backstreet Boys. I oh, saw J Lo. I was on the street with Tyrese one time. Hey. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, he don't do that, but. And it's so funny. I was in proximity of entertainment without even really knowing right. my life would end up there. And it was just like, no clue. Right. I was just living my life as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, getting into all the wrong wrong things and not really thinking about my future. So, so it's, what do you think shaped you to get to, like, what are, I guess, some crucial things that shaped you to become this entity of like slay and creative and filmmaker all of these things that you're doing now like what what major things shape that i think it's always it's always been running in the background like i love mm-hmm. award shows mm. like i i loved anytime my favorite artist was performing at an award show i was in front of the tv i was recording it Me i would too. watch it I over and over and right. over and right. over like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a music artist. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. I wanted to have my own talk show, and I never really focused on it. They were just dreams that I never really expressed out loud. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing. My parents just thought I was like really smart and loved computers because I just knew how to work computers mm-hmm. naturally. So they forced that on you. So there's like, oh, you know, you can make a lot of money doing that. And, you know, they always think about the money. Always. Um, and I always used to draw too. And so I wanted to make comic books. I guess that's where the writer part of me comes mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So it was just like all this stuff going on, but I never thought of it as a career. And then once my sexuality came into play, because again, I, was, I wanted to be a music artist, I knew that I would have to play a role in order to do that, and I wasn't comfortable with that. We all had little, mm-hmm. you know. That's the same shit. I was like, uh-uh, I'm not trying to be out there, people speculating about right. my life, and uh, and I was terrified right. of being out. So again, I'm like shocked when I think of my life and like how much as a it's whole, like evolved. Because I thought that was the worst thing that could happen to me, and yeah. it ended up freeing me. So yeah, you know, the, when I when you, when I hear you tell the part about like you know, you kind of like stepped into, let me step into reservation because I can mm-hmm. have a different experience. Yeah. And then you kind of like kept that around because it still was a great veil mm-hmm. for the conflict that you were having inside. Yeah. And it sounds like before then when you were a little bit more boisterous and a little bit more loud, it may mm. have been because of the acting out from yeah. having to be in that type of transition. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like now that you have access to the pen mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you get to still hit on some of those things from the absolutely. past absolutely yeah i'm constantly finding ways to insert my experience into yeah. the stories um, that's a good storyteller right? yeah you know i because I, I, it's, it's authentic i've lived it yeah. and 
you know, I could easily get on Twitter and tell my business, but it's not to me. It's like it's not that effective than putting it in a story, mm-hmm. um, which is something I've newly been doing. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely, especially recently, I had a conversation with both of my parents about what their experience was coming to the states, because as an adult. You know, we talk a lot about how adulting sucks. Right. It's trash. It's really just mm-hmm. the worst. Mm-hmm. And I okay. thought about it. Help my us. parents. <laughs> we were just. We talk about this. All, I already know where you're going. My parents were in their 20s. Right. My mother in her mid 20s. My father was probably like 29. How did you how? do it? How? Explain. How? How? Explain it. How? Over there, my girl. How? Right. How? How am I do it? How? But. I had a moment last summer, like last summer was like my breakdown year. So it was just yeah. like everything just came to a halt and just stopped. Do you and think I had everyone to really... has one of those years? Mm-hmm. I think so. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, more than one of those years. Yeah. I don't know. A few, I've been like, oh, I'm just, yeah. You need those moments to like stop and reflect and really just go through it. And I was thinking about like, I don't express enough gratitude to my parents for the sacrifices because i'm mm-hmm. thinking like you're in your mid-20s you're coming to a whole ass new country i'm nervous about moving to right. a new borough mm-hmm. right you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but y'all got on a plane to pregnant nowhere. with me baby in belly everywhere. baby on hip working paying bills right and everybody's looking at you you have an accent accent dark skin like yeah. new york of all places like yeah. this is a a, a very overwhelming city absolutely fast. um so i was just so curious like what did what did y'all go through like what yeah. i want to know the struggles i want to know everything and especially with me in the equation i also wanted to know some of the things that i experienced mm-hmm. as a child that i can't remember and my mother told me like they were staying at my father's aunt's basement over on beverly road mm-hmm. over in flatbush mm-hmm. and it was cold in the basement. We were living in the basement. Apparently, like, no, I'm sorry, that wasn't her house. See, that's the part about telling people's business. Now it's inaccurate. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put stuff out there about people that's not true. <laughs> it was actually my mother was living with a friend, and the mm-hmm. house had no heat. Mm-hmm. So my father said he would come visit, and I would be like in a coat, and my nose would be running. And I'm like, was that traumatic for me? Because I don't remember it, but right. you know, your body remembers everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, Hmm, that's really interesting. And then thinking about their dynamic as being in a relationship, were they getting along? You know right. what I'm saying? Like yeah. that kind of thing. And then my What's mother the my mother has mental health issues as well. She's mm. bipolar. Mm. And so I know my experience of dealing with that, but before my siblings came to the equation and before I could even remember, like, was that an issue? Mm. Or, you know, how did they navigate that? So I eventually want to talk to them again like i would love to make this yeah. into a movie or mm-hmm. something you know because these are things that i know a lot of people can relate to i yeah. have a lot of first gen friends that are right. just like the experience is so unique it and is it is and 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 it's a hard story to tap into right. because mm-hmm. in the american context yeah when you are of caribbean descent mm-hmm. a lot of caribbean folks came here and they wound up in the service industry yeah and when you put that in, in the American contents, when a white storyteller is telling the story, they're only contextualized around being the help mm-hmm. or being mm-hmm. nannies or being like so, a funny person right. with the yeah. accent. So you don't get into character development. Exactly. And like, yeah, Will and I are working on something right now where we're doing diasporic conversations. Mm. 
mm-hmm. you know, because that's it, important. It, yeah, because there are so many things that are like, like and it's real. We all stu- mm-hmm. Like no matter if you're African, if you're here, if you're here or in any other, you know, place. Yeah. We're all stewing. Mm-hmm. We all cackle like yes. our lives depend on it. Yeah. We all think we came from kings and queens and all that <laughs> shit. We have a lot of things that do connect us. The music, yes. the rhythm, mm-hmm. the passion, the energy. But not, there are things that do. we all cackle. And I was literally about to cackle. <laughs> you know, we cackle. There's a certain cackle. It's, that a, cackle. it's a cackle. That make white people very uncomfortable. Right. It's in the bloodline. It's in the bloodline. <laughs> and, it's ex- it, and we need to explore that. Yeah. And I can't wait for you to yeah. work on that. Because... Yes. That level of intimacy, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. listen. Let me not tell anybody your ideas, but <laughs> your what or, or what you know. Yeah. Because I can't wait to unleash, or people to see. Yeah. It yeah. unleashed like these conversations right. that that mm-hmm. that add value to all of our. Right. Yeah. I, and I was gonna say when you start really digging in deeper into those things that shaped your parents that are shaping you. Yeah. You get a whole again a whole nother narrative that you may have never even discovered mm-hmm. and, layer and again and too. you then there's a level of empathy now again yes. just with the simple fact like i am in my 30s and i'm sitting here like <sighs> with no kids mm-hmm. no like very, you know but still very on edge and you were okay. pumping through and, and that first of all it's like nigga you could like you props you, you was pro- major props yeah right? you know for me there's like it makes me think about even moments when i was a teenager acting like a brat or not mm. understanding i mean obviously that was my process and journey so i, I don't like feel like the guilt yeah I, i've had that kind con- those conversations but i, I love the fact because even like the more that i go through life it makes me want to go back like oh i gotta ask my parents this like, so i love mm. even like when you're like talking you're like I actually might have to go back and ask my you know what I mean, dad why <laughs> that was and, it's, yeah. and that's what it's Absolutely. all about right. and again you start learning more and you get more of the picture and things are not just like oh this is how it is and mm-hmm. you know we just crazy you know what I mean yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. and, and this, that becomes the thing where and, and this proves the point that parents have got to stop portraying perfection to children absolutely yeah. talk to children about what's happening mm-hmm. because it's hard and we say you know they're not ready for that but kids are when you see your kid is damn near trying to slap you in your face <laughs> you're ready <laughs> oh they have behavioral problems <laughs> your kid is upset with you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> not your kid you need to figure out why right Right. and it's okay to find out why and it's okay to find out why and it it doesn't have to be devastatingly not your fault because you know it's your fault it could just be like all right listen (sighs) here mommy's going i don't care what mommy's going through apparently you know they don't they don't care they don't care because they want to hear like the real yeah exactly and i'm only saying it because we didn't know now we have to find out can you please tell me uh back when right Mm. back when i so now you got to unpack shit that was like way back Mm. when and it's like a lot of, like you said, if you could be a little bit more forthcoming with some information, yes. you know, yeah, and, yes. and, and I, yeah, and I think that this is what drives storytellers, mm-hmm. and this is what drives the creativity because when you have to like to me, when you have to internalize certain things, yeah, because one of the rules is you don't tell nobody the business mm-hmm. I want in your soul. Mm-hmm. Or, or like right you don't go out here telling people's business telling right. them what family okay. business right. you know this so tea. protective of that right mm-hmm. so you look for an outlet to right. do this so yeah. some people fuck yeah some people are very creative some people do all of those things mm-hmm. some people just take weed but what I find like the string is is like when you get into the creative element it haunts you and it follows you yes because you may be quiet you may be reserved mm-hmm. but it's like it comes out it comes out when you are there and you're just trying to get access because you're trying to garner or not garner but 
trying to like focus mm-hmm. and point your uh, your all of that energy yeah and you want to be around what inspires that mm-hmm. so you can harness it and so that you can express it and i think like that's what i've learned about a lot of creatives a lot of creatives have crazy stories yes and also and so dynamic and mm-hmm. usually and usually very very dynamic yeah and a lot of times it's like oh you would never know Mm-hmm. And so you got like get, like, get to, into it exactly, but then that just goes into like the the I guess the taboo of why we should just be having conversations about everything exactly. and, and as much as we can and sharing and telling and mm-hmm. speaking up and all that stuff because it's like it happens every like we again have this very interesting way of of making it seem like it's only happening to us when mm-hmm. it happened to mama daddy granddad everybody and we all just like we're just hurt we're just angry we're just you know what i mean but yeah. there's a lot to like what's behind the hurt what's behind the anger exactly. what's behind and there's a lot of shit like you know what i mean a whole bunch of good and again mm-hmm. when you and and again the level again the level of empathy that that opens up by having the conversations with my parents allows a whole new level of growth and and dynamic you know what i mean and it's now it's not necessarily rooted in the the past hurt because we don't know what the fuck is going on i just know i don't like you for or whatever yeah but now like we're able to move past and have more conversations and go back and tell stories the same conversations that they were running away from having yeah by the way and it's like it just it's so important and and there's also this interesting thing which is why i feel like slay is very very important Mm -hmm. because there is this gap even with storytelling yeah because we have a lot of stories about heteros and them doing a whole bunch of shit and mm-hmm. whatever romance tragedy they have everything going on yeah gays have been kind of like integrated in the broader more popular conversation by being like fucking sidekicks and of being course. like the you We're know the, one, the comic really mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. which is fucking boring yes and the tra- the traumatic stories of queer men of queer white men have been told oftentimes mm-hmm. they're getting beat up with bats and then you know they die of hiv and mm-hmm. blah, blah blah blah. those stories have been done they were not very inspiring if i can be honest we I got agree. we got a little bit more excited when we started seeing like noah's ark mm-hmm. and i was like oh, okay you know you have people out here they mm-hmm. cracking some jokes everybody out here because <laughs> you know these people because you actually can identify and see these real people in your life yeah. exactly you knew an alex you knew you know what i mean exactly. and those are real you know, exactly. even, even though some and might argue the acting was terrible, but you I know, know but, but you, but it, it has was, its credibility. But you appreciate but it for what it was and what it offered. Because, we, black because the people, point is, is that we had nothing. We didn't have anything right. again. So what it offered at that time was it changed my life. I mm-hmm. literally watched that when Rome yeah. present. Like yeah. I was like, I've never seen people like this in my life, and I was it like, was crazy. and I was like, I identify with him, but I identify with him, and I identify with him, and oh my god, it's so mixed, and I was like, these things happen, and like, yeah. it's okay, and you know, that's yeah. funny, that's ridiculous, that might not happen to me, but it was just a, a, a great experience, and that's why I like Patrick Ian Polk, and that's why I like the directors and all yeah. the people who are at, at that time who were doing this kind of work were like really trail trailblazers yeah. and they were willing to step in the line of fire for the people who mm. did not want this to impact their kids and all that fucking bullshit that right. was going on the kids that, that needed it and, but but there was some, the kids that needed it the most but i feel like you know now through the evolution of what's been available and certain things that we're able to get greenlit and all of those things there's like still like these major gaps mm-hmm. in real storytelling yeah. yes so like you know being in in slay i feel like i kind of gotten to watch you guys hone in mm-hmm. on a very underserved audience yeah in ways that sometimes i even forgot that mm-hmm. needed to be served yeah how did you find how did you guys find that lane was mm-hmm. it 
always like you guys always knew when you started talking about it or did you discover it how did you like harness mm. that that's like let's start there okay so that's a really good question <laughs> it definitely happened by discovery mm. because when me and sean met um he had just gotten laid off of his job mm-hmm. and i was in a very weird unemployment stage and so i had dibbled and dabbled with film and um photography mm-hmm. prior to meeting him and he went to school for film mm-hmm. and so but we didn't even discuss that right away um he had a little dj set mm-hmm. and he said he wanted dj i'm like oh, i used to dj so you know i can help with that mm-hmm. but it, it just kept going back and forth and i found immediately we were finding trying to find creative things to do together together or, okay. um it just naturally happened that way like i was making beats and like taking pictures and stuff and eventually he started with this little camera and he was like oh let's go down to christopher street and he just kind of used me in a video which is up somewhere on youtube mm-hmm. of me just walking around christopher street looking cool or whatever and he edited it. i remember that night he stayed up all night editing it on windows movie maker mm-hmm. yes movie maker. Um, very old school yeah. yes i woke up the next day he showed it to me and it was like the coolest shit ever and even from that point on it just happened naturally we ended up saving money to buy our first camera um then i can't remember how it happened and which one came first but sean started working with glow tv um back I in i feel like i remember glow TV. yeah they were around i think 2010 2011 yeah. and he was like going to prides filming prides and doing little commercials and psas and he just never stopped from there. And I was just kind of like in the background watching that happen while, you know, working at, you know, jobs here and there, Home Depot, mm-hmm. UPS, whatever. And it just kept growing and growing until the point where, you know, Sean decided I want to create a web series. And it was solely based on some of the things that he had seen growing mm-hmm. up in the scene and we didn't think about impact we didn't think about money we really didn't think about anything other than let's just make something really funny and really cool mm-hmm. like we just want to create we just want to create yeah. and it just happened like it it just like people saw it and i guess we didn't recognize or i guess sean didn't really recognize the impact it would have in that way of people seeing something one that they've never experienced or people who have experience and now seeing it played out and it's just like wow this is really reflecting my experience mm-hmm. or even like i think it was yesterday someone came by the office and was explaining what no shade did for them living outside of new york mm-hmm. and it was like oh wow these are real people these are real experiences and mm-hmm. he said he kind of used that show as a guide when he came to new york oh as kind God. of like as a reference and i was Almost just like, like a manual yeah survive and it was just like it was a lot of the things that we exaggerated in the show. So I'm like, it wouldn't be like a accurate guy. But I mean, I guess for someone coming here for the right. first time, it's like they can get. Well, why a not try bit. it? I, have, yeah. I don't know. I have nothing else to go by. I have nothing else to go by. So after No Shade, then it then it became a thing of, okay, we're going to keep doing this. Um, but we didn't really understand much about the business part. It was just kind of like, Jesus. <laughs> let's just, all we knew how to do is create. Right. Yeah. Let's just create. Yeah. And it just kept going. And then, um, then I had gotten inspired to write something. I, I didn't think about writing anything mm-hmm. prior to that. I just wanted to act. And 
Sean was so burnt out from doing no shade. It didn't seem like it was going to happen because we went through so much drama with that. Like, listen, listen, production, it's it's every and anything. You know what I'm saying? And it was such a learning experience going through those things. So mm-hmm. it was like we learned the most out of the mishaps. Mm-hmm. And so how long did you work on that project? How long did that like take before you got to that point? Like, oh, God, is this going to happen? Like, how long? Hmm. You talking about no shade? Yeah, no shade. Um, we started that in 2012. As far as the casting, the writing, mm-hmm. um, oh, so well, how that happened? We were kind of creating as we were going. Okay, so it wasn't as if like the scripts were prepared okay. and all that stuff. It was just kind of like you kind of knew what you wanted to do. You yeah, knew, like the beginning and the end, and pretty much kind of knew how mm-hmm. you wanted to tell the story. So it was very guerrilla style, just very like we're figuring this thing out. So we want to create that's guerrilla style, and it worked. And I took that experience. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna make sure right. these yes. scripts are it was ready. A starting point yeah, it was a starting point. So I had I, I referenced all of that, and with Love at First Night. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we're gonna wait. Can you say that again? Love at first night. <laughs> and really quickly, what's yes. the handle for that? Let's just get that up. Okay, so for Instagram, you can follow Love at First Night at L A F N as in Nancy Web Series. Um, that's the same on Twitter as well, and Facebook is L A F N Series. Okay. Yes. Perfect. I fucking write that down. Thank you. Thank you for so many reasons. Because my friends is in it, mm. I've been in it, mm. I'm in a cameo. I just love it for so many yeah. reasons, and I loved it before. And it's uh, I've been following. This is the the three years now. Three, well, it's four great. years. Four, but we got three seasons. Right, three yeah. seasons, four years, and yeah. you know what I mean. I've been following it since then. Thank and you. Yeah, so go. Let's dive back into love at first. Night. Yeah. Um. So at that time, I was working for that agency, New York City Transit, mm-hmm. and it was my first year. They got benefits though, right? They have amazing benefits. Mm-hmm. The pay was kind of cute, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> with all that being said, I'm not there anymore, what so that says do- a lot. Right. About what were you doing? I was working in the booth selling Metro cards mm-hmm. and giving directions. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cushy, you know. <sighs> and was it still tokens back then, or no? Well, this was 2015, so oh, no, no, definitely not. Metro cards, yeah. but the Metro cards were a lot more cheaper then, right? Um. Mm-hmm. I was working out of Fulton Street in Manhattan, so everybody was passing through. There was a lot of times people just knock on the glass like, hey, I know you from YouTube. <laughs> and I'm like, no and to be honest, I was a little embarrassed because it was just like, I kind of wanted my day job to be inconspicuous. Like, right. yeah. But people would recognize me. I'm like, all right, whatever. At least it's not like, it's you that, know. That, it's like, yeah. uh, what's his name from, uh, what was the, uh, where he was working at a Starbucks or something, they shaded him? Um, oh, oh, yeah, 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 like yeah. You're, that's yeah. dignity. You, yeah. this is about real life. It's man. real life. It's crazy. Listen, we can get into that. A yeah, bit if you want to, but but I was working overnight, and there's no customers, so I would watch a lot of TV. Like this is my chance to really catch up on a lot of shows. Mm. And from being in no shade, it changed the way I looked at TV. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm watching Survivor's Remorse, which is on was on Stars. It came on after Power. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what the hell it was. I just watched it. And I just thought it was so different for, to be like a black comedy. Um, and I love the way that they did it. And I'm like. I got to see it. I don't think I've ever yeah, seen it. Yeah, me neither. It's, it's pretty. Is that with is it accessible? Uh, Arnold? Yes. 
Yes. She's anything she's in. Anything she's and that's that's the thing. Really? I saw her in it, and I'm like, oh, I'm watching. We it. should, we should, talk, I so we should watch it and talk about it. Yeah, Definitely totally watch it. Let's get into that. that because yeah. she's one of the best comedic actresses. Yeah, she's amazing. I'm and they need to give her more of roses and flowers. You'll love her yes. character. Does she have there. a star? I don't. Think I so, know. yeah. Well, but she needs that. one. She, she needs definitely one. She oh my god! It, well, there's a whole bunch of colorism and stuff involved. In mm-hmm. that, but I watched that show and I was so inspired by it. I'm like, damn, this would really be like a a gay show like this, like the energy of it. And I'm like, maybe I could write something. And then I'm like, I had this whole conversation with my head, but what would it be about? And I'm like, well, I was five years into my relationship. Mm-hmm. Think, speaking of Tashina Arnold, I thought about Martin, and I'm like, you know, I would love a comedy oh with a role, right. you know, whatever. So, Love at First Night was originally supposed to be very sitcom-ish, and that's why the first season is so quirky and all that type of stuff. But when you don't have, like, that 2D set, it's really hard to get that sitcom feel. Mm. Can I tell you right now, we're writing, and... <laughs> We have literally had the same really evolution of thought because yeah. originally it was like let's make a sitcom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and writing this thing and it's like, but the way that I see this being shot, yeah. it can't be shot like that. I so know. it can't it can't be on it can't be on it can't look like what I know as a sitcom. Yeah, and then I started looking at other things. So I feel you one hundred percent now. Did you see that as something as a challenge, or did you yes. feel like okay, definitely a challenge? Because it's like the, my first time, so I'm mm-hmm. like writing, but like you said, visually trying to see it. Right. I'm like, oh, we're gonna shoot this in our apartment. Can't make it look like a sitcom, so I'll try something else. And yeah, but at, also at the time, I wasn't very hands on with filming. I was more or less editing and mm-hmm. giving ideas, mm-hmm. and so. I left really all the visual stuff up to Sean and just kind of explained to him what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Come season two, I got a little more hands you on. You got over on into it. And then on season oh, three, it was just kind of like, well. Give me the camera. Give me the camera. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just sat there and I came up with the idea and the premise. Like, I started just writing to myself. Mm-hmm. And then I called Sean up because at the time, neither one of us was really doing anything creative. We were just kind of like, had our day jobs we had our apartment we had recently gotten married was there anything in particular that sparked the idea um as far as clay tv no uh love at first love night. at first night the concept of that uh martin it was definitely martin I, I i wanted a couple that can make made me feel the way i watched uh martin and gina because mm-hmm. that had gotcha. been that was like one of my the best, template one of the best tv couples yeah of all time that was my template relationship that i wanted like martin and gina and i you know when you tell the universe that you got to be very specific because it's like you're going to get everything that martin brought to the table right. which was just like yeah. too much sometimes too much sometimes but i basically saw them and i was like i want that for us you know what i mean like i want a couple that people can look at and be like i like them together they also are funny together they're like friends but then they also have this romance mm-hmm. but from there okay so from there i started developing the concept and then i hit up sean and i'm like listen i know we ain't creating a while prior to slay tv we had this thing called life network mm-hmm. which was kind of the same concept as slay but we really didn't know yet mm-hmm. so we were working on that then that kind of went to the left and i said you know i have this idea for a web series i think it'll be great um but i don't want to just release it on youtube let's do something different like you know i don't know like an app or something and i just said that i didn't 
think anything of it. I was just I like to throw out big ideas. I'm not a big executor. I'm just an idea guy. I'm a cancer. Okay. So it's cardinal sign. So we're Mm -hmm. like generators of ideas, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily ones to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And so I just spit it out to Sean. I'm like, yeah, you know, Apple would be really cool because, you know, Netflix is popping and Hulu and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that man went on Google and just started doing his research. And then he was just start hitting me up like, oh, so I found out about this app. And I'm like, oh, you you're dead serious mm-hmm. okay well what's your son doing that scorpio okay. exactly what you needed to balance that out exactly. here's my big idea i don't know how to do it take this please exactly so that happened and as i'm developing the show sean is developing the app and again in this moment we're not thinking about money we're not thinking about business because mm-hmm. i had a full-time job sean had a full-time job mm-hmm. so we weren't really thinking about it. it's just us being creative mm-hmm. and but everything kind of lined up in the sense where the show was done, the app was done, we're ready to launch this thing, and I'm like, okay, I want to screen it now. I want to, you know. So was it? So did the establishing Slay come first, or did the series come first? The series came first. The series came first. Then the app came, which it wasn't even Slay yet. It was called Architect, which okay. was this weird name we came up with that was supposed to be like the architects of the community. Because then it it went from. Let's have a platform for our stuff. Then it became more community based. Cause like we're not the only ones making stuff. So let's like create an industry. Mm-hmm. So now I said I was. It wasn't really business, but it wasn't though. Now I'm really thinking about it. like we said all this stuff, but again we weren't really thinking about this is gonna make so much money and right. da da da. You're just, just thinking about how you would want to structure yeah. your idea or your yeah. And yeah. that's the thing about being a creative. Like I think a lot of creatives just realize at some point that you need business people. Right. Because you're setting up a business, yes, mm-hmm. by all means, but I'm not thinking about numbers. Right. I'm thinking about creating the creative stuff uh, and, and, and the then the money stuff. will come. The money will come, right. Yeah. And so, and it's that. funny you said that because once everything was done and I needed a, a place to screen, uh, Sean had hit up one person who connected him to our now co-founder James, mm-hmm. who saw what we were doing and was like, "Wait a minute, you, do y'all guys realize y'all have something here?" Mm-hmm. And he kind of came in and just structured like, "Okay, you got to change that name." Mm-hmm. And we actually thought of Slay first, but then Sean was just kind of like, "Is that too dark?" Because Slay actually means to kill somebody, and I'm like. But you know how the kids use it, mm-hmm. and you know you gotta like you know Beyonce's using it in her mm-hmm. song, and, and we that's brought so up funny because that, that was a time where because now slave makes so much sense, yeah. yeah. Because it, but to think about like you guys literally coming up with an idea as mm-hmm. the community is evolving itself, yeah. Like, you know, it's really kind of cool too, and because, really embracing that word to, to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, Beyonce, she started using it, the kids are using it now, right. like, we can do it, and now it was, like and now it's a no brainer, like the same way that kill the word yeah. kill, like yeah. you, know, you killing it, like it exactly, killing it, right? So it just it became yeah, that vernacular, exactly. So the screening happened. We launched the demo app. Um, architect and then right after that that's where we just started having meetings and started that's where the business started to come in mm-hmm. and I had to make a huge adjustment because I was just so used he was like whoa there Nelly I'm just focused on the creative right, stuff yeah. y'all are using words I don't understand right. and you we know do this and that and other yeah how did you feel like having your baby and working on that with your partner so literally feeling like that and then having to actually have other people come in and say okay. like oh xyz how did you it, about flip that? it over yeah. look under it so i was actually happy for it to okay. be honest um because this is where 
to be very transparent, like once that happened, that's where me and Sean's relationship dynamic started to change mm-hmm. because we got married the same year that we started preparing for all this stuff. Now, the marriage part of it was that I started working at MTA. You said the benefits are really great. Mm-hmm. And me as a cancer, thinking about family, thinking about mm-hmm. all these type of things. Like, listen, we're together now. We're in our first apartment together. God forbid anything happens to you. I want to have access to being able to go see you in the hospital if need be or whatever. And my benefits were pretty much better than the ones that he had at his job. So I'm like, we get married, you get benefits. You know what I'm saying? And then we were like, We'll have the piece of paper. We know we're not going anywhere. We're together. We're in this. Mm -hmm. We can worry about the ceremony later. Mm -hmm. So we got the legal part of it done. But it ended up becoming part of the story, the business. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone kind of blew. Not everyone. I mean, not saying everyone blew it out of proportion because it was what it was. But it just became so magnified and me and sean were just pretty much just who we were Mm -hmm. in a sense and people kind of put us up on this pedestal of like the torrington right this and that and it it was kind of weird for me at first all the time because we were very curious about it it's almost like when a celebrity says they don't want to be a role model right you know what i mean it's It's because just yeah like because it's like it's these two men who Mm -hmm. are married who created this business it's like it's like, oh, that's what everybody would want. And that's, people are like, yeah, that seems that's crazy. Crazy. it's very fantasy. Yeah. It's there, and you know, again, it's not necessarily what you are projecting. You're just living your life. It's yeah. Everybody takes their that story. It's like a reporter. You know, mm-hmm. you, you take I, something can, and you. Yeah. Can I? Can I also say like, if you go really, really into it, mm-hmm. that story may have really helped mm-hmm. drive people's love for the combination of all of those energies merging the energy of right. what is an assumed love romance mm. or whatever you make up in your head yeah the energy of the series and the show right and then, right, right right having this romantic thing which is like is this about them and yeah. then also having like you know people who are just thirsty mm-hmm. for something mm-hmm. to look up to i think yeah. it's like the perfect storm mm-hmm. of people wanting to do that and i i, w- I think without that element mm-hmm. it may have been just as successful but the story wouldn't have been the same mm-hmm. and i feel like yeah. that's that's kind of like one of the things when you do step into the storytelling process mm-hmm. that you can't see coming. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like in this day and age, it's like there's nothing you can do to like prevent that from happening. Exactly. So that's so funny that it wound up happening like, right. like that way for you. And the thing is, like we I we understood the impact of it because it's just like we understood that us together, our dynamic, our relationship, mm-hmm. you know, we were fortunate we were like lucky to have met each other to really genuinely love each other and create together like that's a powerful thing and we always looked up to like will and jada pinkett like that was just like ideal Mm -hmm. for us like damn let's make this a family business type thing and blah blah, 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 blah. but i guess what we didn't specifically me um didn't take account for is just how much business affects relationships as far as like the amount of work that goes into it because yes to answer your question like how i felt about more business people coming in i was okay with it because at the time i started to discover my own mental health mm-hmm. dwindling and it was very hard to manage this new job this new job with the city new business right new apartment newly married so it was a lot of different oh changes and then the same year 
lost my grandmother that year as well. Oh, so wow. And that's trauma. It was a lot. By the end of that year, I started waking up with like panic attacks before I would go to work. I thought it was the job because I also had to change change my sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different stressors going on right. at the same time. Are you working overnight? I'm working overnight, so I was not sleeping properly. Mm-hmm. Like I would get, if I was lucky, four hours of sleep mm-hmm. every single day. So, And me and Sean weren't seeing each other mm-hmm. in that first year because he worked during the day. I worked at night. So sometimes I would see him if I'm leaving or I'll catch him before he goes to work. Yeah. So... That first year in our new apartment, right. it was kind of like, I didn't know where I was. It was not as glamorous no, as it was, per, you know. At all. So, come 2016, mind you, my whole diet changed too. Because now I'm eating at late at night. Mm-hmm. And I'm eating nothing but crap because there's nothing really mm-hmm. open at the time. So, come mm-hmm. 2016, um, I switched positions. I started working on, you know, working during the day. I didn't really get a chance to kind of like feel everything that happened the year prior no um, adjustment no adjustment period nothing then i got back to wearing regular clothes that's when i realized oh shit i gained weight because i was wearing a uniform that whole time naturally bigger big. and it's like my whole body went through a whole change so i'm adjusting to that so it was just like a lot and then doing the first season of love at first night so it wasn't until that summer when we released the show that I got a minute to sit back. And then if you remember 2016, that summer, it was a lot of police brutality things coming mm-hmm. up. A lot of shenanigans. The pole shooting, all that type of stuff. Oh, yes. And it just oh, kind of yeah. hit me to the point where my anxiety was at an all-time high. I did not want to leave the house. I couldn't really properly celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, everything that was going oh, on. Oh, wow. it affected you like that. My mental health was, like, in shreds. And I didn't know what was going on. I just mm-hmm. found myself just really, like, like out of it really sad you know very upset or whatever the case may be and i remember at that time i think with getting slay tv ready and all this type of stuff you know we were invited out a lot and i did not want to go anywhere mm-hmm. so it was a lot of sean having to do a lot of legwork and going out he's like you know people are asking for you and all this type of stuff and i'm just like i'm a homebody mm-hmm. you know i'm tired i'm always working you know mm-hmm. sean got that you know he gonna be you there. know you, you got that you know whatever and it put a strain on him. But then it was also a strain on me because I'm like, I need my partner, not my business partner, not, you know, whatever. And he needed yeah. a business partner because we started this together. So we were on two different sides mm-hmm. of, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So come 2017, I had left my job for the first time because that's when Slay TV came in. There was a lot of press. Um, we were invited out to D.C. to do um, like a morning show type of thing. And we talked about it. And I'm just oh, like, yeah, I remember that. the universe is like basically letting me know it's time. Like, OK, I could leave this job and yeah. listen to them. Stevie, Har- Steve Harvey, because mm-hmm. he did this whole thing on his show about leaping. Mm-hmm. And I was so vulnerable to messages like I that. was like, I need a sign. Right. I'm a leap. I was looking for he signs. Was like, Fuck this. See ya. And I was just like, all right, well, I went to my manager and I was like, I'm leaving in two weeks. And. I didn't prepare. Mm-hmm. I didn't save no money. I didn't have a plan. I didn't understand what entrepreneurship looked like. I hadn't been paying attention to the sacrifices and everything that Sean had went through for the past two years. So I just thought that, you know, I leaped. The universe got me. And mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. No, no, one, no one caught you? No one caught me. I was sitting there looking crazy. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, still working, but... 
you know, not understanding how to like sustain myself without that nine to five, mm -hmm. without that, you know, support. And again, I'm a cancer and I'm all about safety. So it's just like, this is foreign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it really, really put a strain on our relationship. Specifically that year, we went on own TV and we did this reality show called Checked In mm -hmm. where, you know, we had. I remember a, that. The whole premise of that was us going out there to like work on our relationship because you know business and all the couples on that particular episode had their own business and everyone was trying to like bring back the romance and bring back whatever mm -hmm. and it worked for a little bit but got right back into old habits and all that type of stuff and mm -hmm. then you know by the end of 2017 that was just it you know we had grown so far apart yeah in that sense you mean the love was still there that never left and we didn't like separate on bad terms mm -hmm. but it just the dynamic had changed so much and you guys were together for eight years eight years eight years, eight years. married for three mm. yeah so. that's a that's a so, season that's definitely yeah. a season i'm so glad that you went into it because you know that i talked to you before and i was mm -hmm. like because what what i love or what is just fascinating or interesting is that you guys are able to move past it in a way and it, mm -hmm. you know even now it seems like slate tv is even bigger yeah than it was before mm -hmm. for sure now yeah. that you guys are separated in a way right, and right. i don't know what that is and i just always you know admire um how you guys have treated each other mm -hmm. um because i think you know when we do our recaps we always kind of we come back and we kind of talk about like a a reoccurring theme in mm -hmm. our life or something you know and i've kind of come across this reoccurring theme of like taking care of one another yeah and not leaving each other broken yeah. whether it's your family mm -hmm. or friends and mm -hmm. um you can have various and you know dynamic relationships and it might not be forever right but you don't have to leave each other broken mm -hmm. yeah. you know what i mean we don't have to pass each other off to someone else you know what i mean it could be a, a very different experience than Absolutely. what we naturally and frequently experience you know mm -hmm. what i mean so mm -hmm. that was one of the things that i admire so much about you and sean's relationship in particular because most would say like marriage done business done mm -hmm. you know what i mean and also and yeah if you think about it as well as you know off the heels of having a very public marriage right. especially within our community it's like well how do we even think about gays in the context of divorce like what does that even right. look like absolutely married so like even divorce it was like, like I'm not, can i, can I be very fact? honest yeah when i when i heard that you guys were like splitting up i yeah. was literally like no <laughs> you and everybody including my family but, and but I, i'm just glad again that you guys are very open i mean and i get i'm, I'm glad that you guys accepted the responsibility of having a public relationship mm -hmm. in the beginning and then again accepting the the responsibility of handling it in a very yeah. dignified very uh humanly very mm. like loving still rooted in love yeah because it's very obvious that you guys still love each other because you guys are still growing this yeah. thing and seeing it through absolutely to even again higher heights and mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's so inspiring to even that so it's not even like it's even more inspiring mm -hmm. than just seeing a black gay couple running a business yeah. you know what i mean to see like all of it through the to end and see that you guys went through all that and the shit is still going even better and you guys still love each other and you can mm -hmm. still have a life and it can still you know what i mean and you guys didn't leave each other like yeah so like how did you how did you guys how how okay so it's funny like that we're in the month of december so this will make two years since the separation happened we mm -hmm. separated the day before christmas eve 
which was really difficult because so you guys were like getting on over into it it was probably, it was like the end of the year end of the year like Mm-hmm. Dead bro, energy. Right. The energy and was it bad. Sucked dry every <laughs> you know holiday. The holidays and it's, it was it's just. A thing. But then it's just kind of like we have this tradition. Like on Thanksgiving, I'll go to his family's house. New Year's, um, not New Year's. On um, Christmas Day, he'll come to my family's house. So even still, the next day, I'm like, "Are you coming?" You know, right. like. I'm not ready to have that conversation with my family anyway, so you might as well just come. Mm -hmm. And our lease ended the following month in January. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it's a blessing in disguise because I hear horror stories of people still living with their exes like because they're locked up in a lease. And I'm like, that probably wouldn't have been great. Um, So it it all lined up pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that separation physically helped us move forward with the business and things like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it definitely wasn't an easy transition. I think we're still even transitioning now. Whereas like... Dynamics. Dynamics. Like, you know, we would used to talk on the phone like mm-hmm. late at night. And it's like, you know, it comes a point where it's like, okay, we can't do that no more. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, whereas we're still kind of triggered from things from the relationship. So what may be a joke that I think I'm saying right. might be not so funny to him and then we got to unpack that whole thing right yeah and so and then because also it's like to your point before mm-hmm. a lot of your relationship bled into yes so it's not right. expected that, okay we're not married no more so all the, all the other issues go away with right it. right yeah and then will was mentioned like you know it looks especially on the outside mm-hmm. right it looks bigger than and better and yeah. expanding and fests right and, right so come i mean like how do you think that that served you guys in an inter- in, a, in a good way because mm-hmm. i feel like people say like you know when you separate from the person that you're with you start having better sex now well, that you guys aren't together anymore so i'm not asking about your sex okay because but what i am asking about <laughs> is i was like, like brother i know he's like would you do that no i'm not asking about that i mean i would but i'm not asking about i was that. about to answer anyway but go ahead <laughs> But more specifically about mm-hmm. work, did you find yeah. like it helped improve work? Yes, I think so. I think Sean already had a system that he was working with. It, you know, I will always give him one hundred percent. You prop. always say that. I talk you about know, it all the time. You always be like, "Cause Sean, he be on his, he, he be, be on his shit." I'm fascinated by it. I'm mm-hmm. even still learning so much from him because mm-hmm. doing my own research on entrepreneurship. I'm like, wait, I've seen Sean do that. And I would like just call him like, so when you were doing this, like, mm-hmm. did you read about that or you just naturally did just it? Like, knew how to do it. Sean is a natural entrepreneur. He's very like, very, very resourceful. He's yeah. very like, I will be Google University. Like, I will mm-hmm. learn. I will, be a, he will learn. I will be an engineer tomorrow because it's on the internet and it's available mm-hmm. to me. I've seen, he, he's, it, it is fascinating. It's very fascinating. It and, I think for me, because we separated, so there was a lot of different things going on with me when we separated. It didn't just have to do with him. Mm -hmm. It had a lot to do with me as well because I came out at 24, lies, 25. Mm. Me and Sean met when I was 26. Mm -hmm. So I had only officially been out for a year. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had any time for discovery. I hadn't had any time to figure out who I am, you know, what I want out of a relationship and all this type of stuff. And so... Right now, or in that moment, it was just kind of like, I need to learn how to do things for me. Right. The way I need to do it, I need to be more independent and that kind of thing. So it forced me to learn things on my own, not always look to like have him do it or ask him, you know, for help or anything like that. And it's Mm -hmm. helped 
me find my way into entrepreneurship and then bring it back to Slay and add on, you know, to the team rather than just kind of like being there like, I only create. Right. right. You know. So how is it being Sean and Terry but not Sean and Terry? Torrington. Oh, um, it's entertaining for other people <laughs> because I think people are really fascinated and interested in our dynamics still now is being separated because it's like, well, they work together and they used to be together, but they're like friends. But then they're like, we're still the same without. Well, we were never like openly like affectionate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, So for most people who's been around us when we were married, it's literally no different than now. Like I'm still we still crack jokes and on each other like, it doesn't even need to be it's like they're married business owners they don't need to be all up and kissing on each other yeah and like it was just like they're running slay fest they're not gonna be like oh slay fest like, <laughs> it's like bitch go over there i'm gonna be over there I'm right like, exactly some of, these, some of these couples do it's weird yeah. like that's why you know and that might be a me thing because i'm not like a pda type of person mm-hmm. but um got you yeah it just it's works just, it's that's just how it works yeah, yeah. That is so, so, so freaking funny and mm-hmm. hilarious. So, like, do you feel like now at this point because you are divorced and mm-hmm. you are a single man? I'm, uh, well, I'm not divorced I'm, yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We're still separated. Yeah, we're still separated, yeah. Oh, well, there's the T, everybody. They are not divorced. They are separated. Not divorced. So, here's the thing with the divorce because we talk about it all the time. Because that's money, right? It costs money. You guys uh, are, But you guys have always been very diplomatic. So, the fact that it's like yeah. even like the way that you guys did it and got married, it's like... Y'all, y'all know what it is. It's like, I mean, y'all are very logical. It's like that costs money, and we're running like, businesses, it's, and it we're like, not together. So that's all right, you need exactly, to know. Exactly, like, because I mean, exactly. That been, is, that's all you need to know. That's true. we've been dating and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's just like, and, oh, I'm glad you said that. You're yeah. so good at this um, podcast. I can't prepare. I'm just like, <laughs> you just know how to go. So how is that? Do you yeah. find like that? people are threatened that you know you're still in such close proximity or that it you guys are still much very sean and terry and Mm -hmm. like how does how does that you know Mm -hmm. how do you separate and how do you work and navigate dating through that so i am not actively dating now i think in the beginning i was because i was i don't know it was just incredibly lonely in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, moving back home, mm-hmm. you know, getting adjusted to sleeping so in the instant. bed. It was, like, it was like that. No, we're not together no more. Right. Because even when you, like, I remember talking to you around that time. You're mm-hmm. like, no, I'm going back home. Mm-hmm. We're not together. It was very much like. Yeah, because I think it was easy for us to fall back in the trap of keeping the same dynamic, even though we said we weren't together anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was hard at first um, because you know it's just comfortability and then eventually it's like no this is not healthy it's no good for either one of us let's just keep our boundaries type of thing so but i was always transparent with anybody that i met letting them know like hey i was in a relationship long term got married we, we own a business together we are still very much in communication mm-hmm. and i've had two people tell me that was a problem which i of course i appreciate the honesty mm-hmm. um but then for me i'm very clear on the fact that i'm not dating or at the time i wasn't mm-hmm. dating looking for another relationship this is merely for companionship or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. you know not looking for anything deep and then you know people will say well i'm looking for that too and then eventually it's like well not really i was like singing i'm trying to get married what you're trying to do right right exactly it's, like, it's almost like they try to hook you and then it's like then now that you're and it's like oh actually actually right. it's just i've captivated you i actually see, want this so wrong 
And I'm at the place right now where I have zero patience. Dude, that about to get me. Okay, like, <laughs> I said what I said, and now you're trying to trick right. me. I got a problem with that. Right. Don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> and so... Not now you're trying to trick me. You're trying to trick me. And, you know, like, recently I had this guy tell me, because we had been speaking, and I I pick up on energy very easily. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, something feels impact. off. Yeah. Something feels off, and it's feeling very one-sided. And I don't do one-sided. Like, I'm, we're not going to play that game. So what's going on? And he basically told me, like, well, I have some reservations. And I'm like, oh, what are they? And he's like, well, I just kind of feel like you're newly single and you're probably going to want to, like, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I don't understand why this is a conversation because I already said that I wasn't thinking or interested in going to anything, you know, deeper Mm -hmm. than whatever. And then his second concern was that, well... You also work, you know, with the ex-husband. I just feel like I've been in situations where people have told me they're over their ex. And and I'm like, at this point, you're speaking for me. And And I already told you everything. You know what I'm saying? You understand my experience more than I do. So whatever. And I I was just over it. And at this point, (laughs) but I had to be real with myself. I am actually not ready to date. Like, I'm not in that Mm. space, you know, and I don't want to, like, add to the atmosphere of mm-hmm. just like fuck boys you know what i mean like so, but don't you think like you can kind of like isn't it just the way that we communicate do you think that, that do you think that the the resolution is to say like listen yeah i am actually this is not a date right this is us spending time i'm more interested in having xyz mm-hmm. in terms of the boundaries do you feel like that's a solution for that and you had to uncover that or is that something that really exists out here in this dating you know kind of culture i'm just finding that even with being transparent, people still do mm-hmm. what they want to do. Uh, they still have their intention. And, you know, I can be as honest as I can be on my part. But if the other person isn't doing that, mm-hmm. then we're going to run into issues. Yeah. And I'm just also very cynical around relationships right now. So it's just like I would be playing myself and wasting people's time at this point. Because so what are the- I'm also looking for something wrong. So when, are, when will you know you're ready? What are the indicators in which you like okay terry i am ready to to date now what what does that look like oh i don't know terry at 36 is very different from terry at 26 and you 36 yes i turned 36 in july like a day over 32 thank you thank you um i thank the ancestors and my mother and my father (laughs) Wow. wow um thank you um no i've grown so much and I understand a lot about myself when it comes to relationships now. Mm-hmm. And so I think an indicator would be, um, I don't know, I guess that yearning you get when you're out and you're having fun and then you're about to go home and it's just like, oh, I wish I was going home to somebody or you know so you don't really want that right now no, you don't really have that type of feeling I you're don't. very like comfortable in like yeah. still navigating your space and cuz mm-hmm. i mean you correct me if i'm wrong i i i would assume that you had to learn a lot of who you are yes. through your interactions mm-hmm. in your relationship mm-hmm. slash marriage yes um i do i found i discovered a lot of things about myself that i did not like as it relates to relationships because i think my my not i think i know that my attachment to relationships was rooted out of uh what you call it 
there was a lack of self-love, I would say, and I was trying to fill a void mm -hmm. with a person, with right. this thing called love. And I didn't quite understand what it takes to manage and really accept love, you know what I mean, in a relationship. And so I never took the time to define that for myself. I didn't exactly have a healthy example of it. Mm -hmm. And so right now, it's like I'm trying to define that for myself, where it's just kind of like, I know when I met Sean, it's funny enough, the night that I said to myself, I'm not dealing with relationships anymore, I'm just going to have fun, was the night that I met Sean. So I'm just like, look at that. <laughs> and so... He was like, but, you want to do what? Right. And I, I think in terms like even like a lot of people, they don't think about, when they think of love, they think about what a person can do for them. Mm -hmm. um, and I know for myself, I didn't think about what am I offering? What am I contributing to this thing called love? Because it's more than just saying I love you and holding ha hands and having good sex right. and cooking and it's about listening and communicating and sacrificing you know what i'm saying and compromising not constantly. being right mm -hmm. not being more, right being more quiet more about yourself okay taking, being a, taking a, a dose of humility mm -hmm. often you know what i'm saying i don't think me and sean's relationship would have lasted as long as it did neither one of us knew how to apologize and I feel like in relationships, you're constantly apologizing because you're learning each other and certain yeah. things, you know, can be misinterpreted if it's not communicated properly. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> yeah. You don't know sometimes mm -hmm. you could be yes. thinking you're doing one thing and it could trigger somebody or vice versa. That's very true. Yeah. So, and, you know, like, I think that's why some people's love language is differently. Yeah. Like, I am not a gift giver mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until I know who you are. I feel that. Otherwise, I'm not interested in getting you a gift because... What are you getting if you don't know the I, person? I, I, and, I, and I think that that directly speaks into like how you learn and communicate yeah. with somebody. You're always learning. You're always figuring mm -hmm. that stuff out. But mm -hmm. if, you don't, if you're not yet familiar with how you love... Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you can't discern right. like what that other person needs and that's the thing about relationships that's interesting yeah because you have to be able to tell because what you like yeah what you need and mm -hmm. then understand that that may be right. different for that person so yeah. you're like i yes. need somebody to support me at their event mm -hmm. and then when they come to you and they're like you didn't do what i needed but you're like what do you mean i went to your event that you had it's like to me that's not what i need what i right. need for you to do is to fuck me mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. i need for you to do specifically is to come with me when i am doing xyz or yeah. do it for me yeah like it's weird yeah. you active services for me, I'm acts of services, me too. For physical touch, yeah, and quality time. Yeah, I'm very, yeah, gifts. I don't care. Yeah, I get myself my own. Gifts. I don't know. Is it me that I like? I think I'm all the love languages. Yeah, is that a thing? It's very, I think very so. possible. I think I relate in a lot of those ways. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think I think kind of some of some for me the love languages blend a little bit. Yeah, in like you know what I mean. Yeah, in yeah. like in that in that way of like thinking of like gift giving is like yeah, it's like. To me, that's a little. But how, but, but how do you feel if somebody doesn't get you a gift? Oh, I don't need a gift. Oh, okay. I want to. I want to give the gift. See, some people mm. would be like, "I want, I want, I want a gift because I gave you." I a just gift. need you. Mm. To, I just need you to tell me that you love me. Mm -hmm. That's what I need. I need you to tell words me. of affirmation. Yeah, I need you to tell me and quality time. Now, what if you get somebody? So some of the things that do ha that happens is that you get, and sometimes apology would mean a lot to somebody. Yeah, like that. So it's right. like if somebody does not offer that to you because they don't do that, they would rather give you a gift. You'd be like, "What are you uh -huh. doing to me? I don't right. know this is not what I want. That's not what I need." Even if a shiny thing is cute at right. first yeah. in a relationship, mm -hmm. it's not sustainable. And by the time we think everything is romantic, because remember. What is it? Bears, uh, whoever the diamond company is, 
Mm, Zell, Zell, yeah. all of them. I think there was a, there's a huge one. I forget it right now, but mm. all of them. Yeah, it's all a campaign. Mm-hmm. The thing is not worth shit, right? right. Like, but it's about this like two cent piece of glass. Love, somebody <laughs> gets you a diamond. People it's will romanticize. Really, will really like not pick a man because he can't afford a rock that doesn't mean anything. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And, and will tease him and, or and, be a and, thing. And, or your friends will make fun of this person. And I'm just saying that to say like we have really fucking weird things that mm-hmm. we base this shit on, but none of it has to do with finding out what this person right. needs right. in this puzzle piece. Right. And that gets us fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's what's interesting about like even as you described, like not being able to apologize to each other. And the apology probably would mean a lot to both of you to Absolutely. hear mm-hmm. but couldn't quite say yeah. it. Yeah. Because of other things. Mm-hmm. And like so now mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Oh, do you have to? Because I, I was gonna ask, like, if now oh. are you guys are you guys better with that? Just in yeah. terms of like, I think our communication, yeah, with with business and stuff, because we still butt heads as creators, because we're of both, course. we're both See, stubborn as hell, and like I have my vision, he has his vision, and we're just both like, well, mine's is better, type of thing. Like it's just always a back and forth, but we eventually come to a middle ground. Yeah. And it's a little easier than it was back in the day, because back in the day. It'll be more of a personal thing, like yes, well, yeah, you don't know which one is it. Is it for yeah. the real for the actual actual business, or is this from from you know, earlier when right. I didn't wash your cup right. that you asked me to wash last right. night and I forgot? And you know? tell me that I did the edit wrong or something, right? Yeah. No, now it's just kind of like I'm, especially for me as a double water sign, like to not get oh, into shit. the emotional aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I literally be there just listening to the words and I'm just like, okay, let's not get emotional about this. Let's Mm -hmm. just stick to the facts and get to the solution. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. gotten a little better in that way. But Mm -hmm. I think also because we're not in that dynamic anymore. Yeah. Um that's good I, some days yeah. are better than others i can okay. say that okay. yeah which i mean which can happen in yeah. business relationships period yeah like mm-hmm. but it is good when you like realize you know what let me just let right. me just hit it like this definitely so, so like actually like being in a space where it's like you're learning all of these things you're learning more about yourself mm-hmm. you are living a single man's life technically mm-hmm. so like how does that inform your work because you started out <laughs> love at first night <laughs> in a very specific oh, that's a really yeah. question. and now you're in a place where it's like it's not bad so yeah. like how do you like keep these characters together or not mm-hmm. dun, dun, dun. do you decide like do i move on to something else mm-hmm. and tell new stories what has the how has that impacted yeah, your storytelling kind of, journey yeah, what kind of creative space are you in right now oh i'm so glad y'all asked that come oh. on somebody <laughs> um so it definitely affected the work because again at the end of season two 2017 was when we separated mm-hmm. and 2018 dealing with the changes in my life and all that type of stuff I was not inspired to write a love story. I'm mm-hmm. just like, right here I am after eight years with somebody that I'm thinking we're going to be in this forever. That's no longer an option. So yeah. now how do I tell this story, which was meant to inspire right. when I'm not living it? Yeah. And it, it was extremely difficult because I ended up going back to MTA. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest job to get fired from, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, even now, I can still go back if I wanted to, mm-hmm. which is really crazy. Well, okay. Shout out to the MTA then. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with what they're doing, but whatever. They're full of shenanigans, but at yeah. least they make it easy to, uh, to hold on to your shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. All but right. um, I ended up going back, and that was part of my whole independence thing. And 
you know, it's one of those things where once you get into the swing of entrepreneurship and your dream, it's hard to go back. Oh my you God, know, please. To that life. Struggle. No city. matter how much they pay you, no matter what. And I was killing myself. I was working six days a week, mm. 10 hour days, doing all this overtime, trying Coins. to, you know, build myself back up. And Coins. then one day I just crashed. Like, mm-hmm. I called out from work and I never went back. It was just mm. kind of like. It's like enough. Enough. And I didn't intend for that to happen that way. It just. Every day that passed by, I'm like, I can't do this. And that's when around the time I started therapy. Mm-hmm. And I was unpacking a lot of stuff from the relationship. Even about writing Love at First Night, I was telling my therapist, I'm like, I'm having a really hard time with this. Like, because some of the early drafts that I wrote was about breaking them up. Mm-hmm. Because it's all at the time, it was just kind of like, I didn't see any other end for them. They were having so many issues. Mm-hmm. And if now I have to put myself in any of their shoes... I'm not dealing with that. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> Not today. No. And I, I just could not find a way to salvage it. And so um, coming towards the time we usually release, um, I'm talking to the cast. The cast is asking me questions. The fans are just kind of like, where's season three? And I tried to write as best as I could, and it just, I couldn't do it. Because you went on a, a year hiatus? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to come out the summer of 2018. Um, and I was just in my room, mm-hmm. just kind of looking at a blank sheet on my computer, and it's like, this is not happening. And I refused to release anything that didn't feel authentic, right? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. We had started filming, I didn't even like what we were filming, and you know, I wrote out this long thing. This is when I expressed on social media that I was dealing with mental health issues, mm-hmm. yeah. and then that Love at First Night would be on pause, yeah, you know, for a I minute, remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember Kyle was the first person who, like, kind of hit me up. He's like, we're going to go out. We're going to talk. And, you know, I kind of expressed to him what was going on. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, like, helped me bring it back to perspective, like, bring it back to perspective, like, why I created it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just kind of, like, letting me know that, you know, I'm having my issues right now. And, you know, this is my unique story that I have to process and everything. But just kind of remember why you started. And I think that helped me kind of not spill my own venom into the show mm-hmm. but i still needed time yeah i needed time to really unpack everything and figure myself out and at the top of this year i was a little ready um <laughs> it took a while though and i had to invite another writer in to kind of help me you know build the story up but as far as what i'm looking to create next is one thing i don't want to do i think this also taught me that series are probably not for me because mm-hmm. i change a lot like i'm a like I go through moods a lot, and it's like if I create a show like Love at First Night, God, I gotta stick with the same. I gotta episode. stick with the same theme, and you know I'm not gonna be the same person I was right. last year. This is exactly what happened. Like with the they're show. breaking up tomorrow, they get back together on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Yeah, you know, or it may be something where you would like you can move to a different format, but it's something yeah. that you can revisit when you know you can hire a team of writers Absolutely. who that you can lead and like come in and, and executive that. Exactly. And be a Shonda Rhimes. Right. And that One thing, more time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the other thing that I learned along the way because starting the show, you know, I get inspired by people like Spike Lee and, mm-hmm. you know, Issa Rae. It was just like, you oh know, God. they write their own stuff. They're acting yeah. in it. And, you know, and I it's wanted like that a, same. It's like a dream. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you know, I wanted that same experience. Yeah. But then I've learned really quickly how much this is a collaborative effort. And yes. that the more hands on deck, the more effective. Mm-hmm. 
And I was just completely burnt out. Just kind of like, this is not meant for one person to do. Like, I'm car- yeah. carrying eight characters in my head. And it's just like, this is becoming very one-dimensional. And then you were acting in it. Yeah. And you were like. And I'm like, not even connected to my character. Because I don't have time to really sit with the script. Because I'm worried about this. And I'm, I'm like, scheduling how is he filming and- himself? And that's why a lot of studios <laughs> are very, very serious. Mm-hmm. Are very, very serious about who does what. Yeah, it's like okay, fine, you can be an executive producer on this, but you you can't hold all of these titles. And right. In the, in the ones where you see a lot of, you know, it's more creative. Like I own this, and then yeah. I have all of these titles. It's very much like okay, well, you're trying to kind of hammer out the same product over right. and over again. It gets very flat, and like I care more about the story. Yeah. Than my whole. Like, it's not even about ego. It's not even about any of that type of stuff. Not saying that Spike Lee and Issa Rae, whatever. You know, it's just kind of like, for me, it's like, I want everything to be well-rounded. And if that means I got to scale back on certain things, if I don't have to touch the camera. Because Mm -hmm. even doing this show now, I'm like, I'm more invested in learning how to direct and help actors convey, you know, certain emotions and really tailor out the story you know mm-hmm. and i can't do that when i'm holding the boom mic or, yeah yeah you yeah. know all that type delegation of stuff. is everything mm-hmm. and i think like you know you you begin to learn that as a business yeah as a business owner specifically like like you cannot afford mm-hmm. to turn out a project that you're not going to be proud of yeah and in order to do that i cannot do it all mm-hmm. because i am not the best at everything there are people exactly. who will excel at certain things mm-hmm. i think like what's been marketable is kind of like having all of these titles is the best thing to have yeah and that's not quite right i feel like it's mm-hmm. it's about the team and yes. lisa ray has a great team absolutely and she also says like she was the first person that i really heard talk about this lateral movement like mm-hmm. if we're all in the same let's work together yes. it's, it's not always about like let me go to these people who have all of this it's like how can we work together to make something magical happen absolutely and i feel like you know for slay i feel like people really feel like slay is theirs mm-hmm. i feel like from mm-hmm. somebody who kind of like was very kind of like in the mix for a certain point and then not get to see things from more of an outside perspective yeah. i feel like you guys have a cultural impact mm-hmm. um for like queer folks and yeah. i think that that's very very interesting when we think about like how laterally mm-hmm. we can carry along that message mm-hmm. because there always needs to be a resounding message around like yeah. trans issues yes and and, and more so non-gender conforming mm-hmm. issues young queer issues mm-hmm. and i feel like you guys have captivated a very yeah. young audience yeah. uh audience who's thirsty to be themselves no matter mm-hmm. what the risk who are more brave than those who come a little bit before them who are yeah. a little older yeah and while still satisfying our appetite to see black men not just dying of hiv absolutely on TV. Right. so i think like what you guys are doing is very 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 important do you ever feel like some of the things that you want to do mm-hmm. isn't tailored for the audience or do you ever feel like you can't write something that doesn't reflect maybe non-queer characters or do you feel like the world's your oyster as a as a creator because you have people who know you for this very specific mm. thing in this very specific market if you will i definitely feel like the world is my oyster i did a live last night because i we released the last episode of mm-hmm. the series yes. on wednesday and i've been trying to find the words like kyle put out his testimony about the series as a whole then ramad then chip and i'm like okay i guess it's me next and right like i gotta give a speech i gotta give a speech but i don't have anything yet you know what i mean because i'm mm-hmm. still processing and i just went on live just to kind of talk with everyone and someone asked me like what's next and I want to play around in different genres. Okay. Like, 
I love sci-fi. I love sci-fi. Like, Me too. I will just I love sci-fi where they create worlds and like you know things like Westworld, The Matrix, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. And I would love to create something like that. Um, I've had this idea, but like I, I'm very much rooted in my Caribbean American heritage. Yeah. And, you know, there are certain experiences that I would love to put out there. Yeah. You know, um, so I would definitely do that. And I'm not really afraid of, you know, audience wise, because I feel like whoever connects with it, connects with it. And who doesn't, doesn't. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's so many of us out here creating that there's someone out there creating something that you want to look at. So I think that, yeah, you know, I'm ready to take risk and do different things and. You know, I don't think I would ever create something like Love at First Night. I think that's its own thing. Yes, um, it's beautiful. I mean, you already know yeah. how I feel. I've yeah. this many times. This is not <laughs> the end of Love at First like, Night. You need more Somebody seasons. Somebody's going to pick it up, and then you going to have mm-hmm. to do Which it. Which I'm okay with that. And that is just what it is. So you hear it right here. Y'all motherfuckers need to pick up Love at First Night. Okay. Because Absolutely. I, I mean, again, there's so many things, uh, reasons why I yeah. love it. Um and it is again it it's to me like a pivotal moment like mm-hmm. a Noah's Ark moment mm-hmm. like seeing it in this yeah. very real way seeing it like very how I feel you know I'm seeing my friends yeah. people that I know in it and then completely separating you know the worlds mm-hmm. of, in which I know them um and I just again piggybacking off what you were saying earlier about the the cultural impact that you've had for Slay TV yeah. it like for me in general when i think of all inclusive communities mm-hmm. like i mm-hmm. have never been and had such relationships to trans men and mm-hmm. trans women mm-hmm. like like that I actually am talking on instagram and liking like mojo like yes. having i've i've would have never had that type of experience mm-hmm. um if i haven't if i didn't work with you guys in some capacity so when i yeah. when you really think about literally opening like the doors of like growth and like opening the idea of of being in someone else's world Mm -hmm. you know and seeing you know and and you know because the journey the queer journey is is vast it's vast but you know i remember a time where you know i was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. about because i didn't understand what trans and you know i didn't it was a but now that i can have these very meaningful relationships it's and it's directly related to yeah it's been a gateway yeah and it's directly related to slay fest it's directly Mm -hmm. related to the relationship that i've built with you over the years and Mm -hmm. working with you and just being in behind the scenes and you know meeting you know um eddie you know jerell jones who i just love and adore and again a whole nother type of person Mm -hmm. that i didn't even know was out there mm-hmm. and that is you know d- is so dynamic and is it, it it's just amazing i just love what you bring to the table Thank so you. i can't wait to see the new shit that you come mm-hmm. up with uh yeah Thank yeah. you. and and the question of of being like feeling stuck or feeling pigeonholed to something is kind of like an annoying question that people are going to ask you because yeah, it's an industry yeah. question but the reason why i love your answer is because you tell stories of people for people of color mm-hmm, absolutely. you tell stories that are relatable to everybody mm-hmm. everybody yeah and i think like as a storyteller the reason why you have to move to another project mm-hmm. and you have to move on and tell more stories is because there are so many stories to tell yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's so many different aspects of your own journey that you can iron out and mm-hmm. create more stories out of and you're going to hear things that inspire you you're going to yeah. see things and read things that are going to inspire you mm-hmm. so i think like you know 
you know, you mentioned Issa Rae, you mentioned, and I don't know if you saw Queen and Slim and saw Elena's. Work. I haven't seen it yet. No, it's amazing. I'm gonna see I'm it. I'm definitely again. gonna go see it. But I, I think, like you know, because we're we're gonna close soon. But I think, like, mm-hmm. to like kick this off or like end it is like, as a black creator, mm-hmm. as a first gen, like we're like literally in a time where a lot of our peers are coming up and they're doing shit like we thought we would never right. see. Yeah, you know, like watching Lena talk recently. And she was just saying, you know, like these these corporations, they need us. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're they're listening to us because we know what the fuck we're talking about, right? And we know that there's so many th- new amazing things to to come. Yeah. And you know, when you think about the first blockbuster was in 1915. 1915. Right? 1915, oh, wow. and that was Birth of a Nation, which okay, is yeah, a horrifically, yeah. you know, a horrific a horrific movie Definitely. in terms of blockbuster. But and now we, you know, all of these years later, we were able to see you know a black panther be like a black not a studio but a black right. you know led cast yeah. have a blockbuster and it's like for us it's like there's just it's new mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like yeah for them for, mm-hmm. uh, for white folks it's yeah. like yeah we've done everything under the sun we've casted everybody we've made 50 bazillion movie stars and and now you, we get to usher in the eddie you know we've had mm-hmm. rupaul don't get me wrong i'm not yeah. i'm not cutting that away yeah. but these new narratives mm-hmm. getting into stories talking about love and divorce and mm-hmm. and, and separation mm-hmm. and the, the black family and like coming out and being out or not gender non-conforming it's like epic mm-hmm. it's no I how do you agree. feel like like how, like what's the how are you feeling with all that cancer energy <laughs> around like the opportunities listen i thank you for saying that i i have to that is my anchor mm-hmm. basically um because i i always tell this to sean and i tell this to people that slay tv is of service to the community mm-hmm. like that is our service it's not like this is not for gloating. This is not for clout. This is not for any of those things. Like I said before, we weren't really even thinking about right. impact or money or anything like that. It's just kind of like, this is just something that needs to be done. Like, I feel like it is divinely set up that way. Yeah. You know, just the way that things happen. And even to speak to our relationship, I feel like us meeting each other and even having that relationship and creating for the purpose of Slay. Yeah. If that's why we met, then I'm okay with that. Shut you know up. what I mean? You know, we created something together that'll live forever. And that, yeah. yeah. You know, um, that's but epic. it's important for me to, I guess, create a, 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 I guess, the culture of us working together and really building something together because I haven't been on many sets, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen enough to know. Um, and even on Staten Island, they were shooting the Wu-Tang series that's on Hulu. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just noticed behind the scenes even, because we talk about diversity in the writing rooms, even with acting. But even to go further back where production-wise, people who are holding lights, people yeah. are holding mics, people who are operating the cameras, yeah, the they PAs, are white right. men. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. And I found myself just kind of getting frustrated like... These are family-owned right. businesses. So, half like, of the not time. even the PAs or the interns are the, the, they're going to move up eventually. And right, it's just mm-hmm. white. That's and very more true. White. That's very, very white. true. That's you a know, really true point. Promotion white. Yeah. So I've been working. We've been working a lot with like people who want to learn camera work, people who want to learn the behind the scenes stuff because that's also important to me too. To that's have, really important. You know, have their vision being mm-hmm. seen and you know being able to like create the vision from Mm -hmm. i guess inception all the way out to whatever because we can write something but in a sense if you have a white director or if you have like a 
a white editor, they're gonna still edit in a way that's not. Mm. That's all art. They don't edit white. Every yeah. single thing, <laughs> you know. Every they're single thing on white out. Okay, you know mm. what I'm saying. Like every single part of it is a creative process, and mm. I think it's important for us to be in each and every one of those positions. Yeah, you know, to make a well-rounded, true story. And so, the impact of that, even with Eddie, I tell Eddie all the time. Like, I'm like. 11 years older than Eddie and I'm just like I look at you I don't know if this makes me feel old a little bit but it's just kind of like you inspire me just mm-hmm. being who you are at 25 years old mm-hmm. at 25 I just came out mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying you are clear right you are sure and you're inspiring other right. people yeah and that's the part that's important to remember is that Slay has created a platform to continue to usher him forward right mm-hmm. oh and or however she um, they non-binary they they, yeah. they they and i feel like that is the amazing yes. shit and that's what cuts through and i feel like that's what happens a lot of times mm-hmm. you think like oh i just want to do this shit because i want to see this kind of shit because it mm-hmm. doesn't exist mm-hmm. and then you find yourself in a position where people are looking at you like please give me what's next more mm-hmm. more more please right. more please right you know <laughs> so i think like it's it's just really really exciting in general i mean more so than anything, 2020 is coming yes. up upon us, and I know yes. you're gonna have it's it's already here practically, mm-hmm. and I know you probably have a lot of shit coming up and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. But what for you? Because I connect this all back to spirituality. It yes. sounds like you were on a journey of purpose, mm-hmm. a journey of self discovery, a journey of being able to see who is Terry in, yes. who is Terry now, even. Even though I was, I've been married. Even mm-hmm. though I've grown this amazing business that people experience a certain way, yeah. you're now trying to experience who you are behind the scenes. Yes, like another part of your life. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I would say that there's just some. There's a lot more to learn, obviously. Yeah. But where you are right now, how would you describe? I don't know if you believe in God or spirituality mm-hmm. or anything, but how would you describe your relationship mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever it is or whatever mm-hmm. is outside of yourself that keeps you going, mm-hmm. that keeps you wanting to create, yeah. even though this shit is hard as fuck? Definitely. What is that? Um, so I consider myself extremely spiritual. Okay. Um, I definitely believe in divinity, something much bigger than us that's guiding us i definitely believe ancestors are with us all the time yeah. mm-hmm. you know kind of guiding us and i right now just feel like you know i've spent a lot of time in my younger years really trying to figure out what am i here for mm-hmm. you know at first was like why am i here like what is this place how did i get here mm-hmm. like i'm always asking these kind of questions mm-hmm. and questions you know what i'm saying thank you i just <laughs> I'm curious about those things because I don't want to just accept what's being told to me. And, you know, I had to start breaking certain change, e- chains, even with the job at MTA, because, again, my parents came from Guyana. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, you know, especially in West Indian culture coming here, it is a very big fucking deal yeah. to get a city job because yeah. of security and all the type of stuff. Yes. And I felt like in the beginning that was kind of like a bond between me and my father because he kind of looked at me like he's proud of me and i you know i didn't want to let that down but also at the same time i'm killing myself Mm -hmm. and i need to do this for me and so i had a conversation with him letting him know like this is affecting my mental health this is affecting my dreams i can't do this i need to go in this direction Right, right and he's fully supported me in that and i think it's just meant to it's one of those things where i feel like that is my path i don't see any other path and i think before 
any of this happened, you know, the trials and tribulation of separating, you know, the business ups and downs, I'm anchored in knowing that I'm supported mm-hmm. doing this. Even on the days when I can't afford to buy stuff, even on the days where I can't hang out because I got to get up early and do something, even on the days when my feet hurt because I'm on set right. 10 hours and all that type of stuff, I know that I am completely supported and mm-hmm. safe in what I'm doing mm-hmm. and eventually it will manifest. Yeah, and that you're work and that you're manifesting. Yeah. Yes. By showing right. up. Mm-hmm. By showing up and being clear that this is it. I don't have any plan B. This right. is it. I love it. Right. And yeah. you know, that's kind of like a new term even in my life as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur is that there is no plan B and mm-hmm. really coming to terms with what that yeah. means because I've heard it before. Yeah. Like I've heard people who we are who are superstars say you know, I had no plan B. It was this. And, I'm, and at the time when I was, you know, I had my corporate job. Yeah. It was like, that's cute, but I'm going to hold on to this. <laughs> okay. This rent needs to exactly. be paid. And having that plan B was really got in the way of like the hustling thing. Yeah. But that hustling comes with that struggle thing. And I was running away from the struggle. So, mm-hmm. you know, like to know that like you're, at you're at that point where you're right. like, I'm good. You know, I'm good. Like, I know the universe has got me. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for a reason. Mm -hmm. That is how, you know, I think you're in a place as a storyteller. Yeah. Where it's like, no matter what I decide. Mm -hmm. Like, Shonda Rhimes has has said it before. She was like, you know, before I didn't want to kill any of the the characters off because it would drive the fans crazy. But I think as she learned, she wrote like a book about the power of yes. Yes, I have that book. Right. Mm -hmm. And and she also learned about the power of no. She tells mm-hmm. she tells that story as well. Yeah. So balance is always right. key. Yeah. And it's always about this idea of like, you know, I can I can I can say when I'm gonna kill off my character. Right. I can say when I'm moving it's on to a story. next product. Right. I I decide like what I'm gonna put into the to the universe and that does change. It because does. Because you, you you are in a place where you've experienced this and experienced that. Like we shouldn't want our Beyonce to be the same and give you the same record every right. time. You should not want that kind of like thing to happen over and over and over again. You want your actors to show you what they're made of. Mm-hmm. Play a crackhead. I want to see you play right. a crackhead. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's what the Emmys and the Oscars are for. So I feel like if this is any indicator mm-hmm. of what we've seen with people who sacrifice and yeah. continue to build no matter what, we're we're uh, we're doing pretty all right. I want to quote mm-hmm. two people before we go because mm-hmm. what you're saying this about struggle too. Lisa Nichols talks about her energy is so infectious and her smile. She looks like she She's looks like amazing. Happiness. I love amazing. Her. She says, basically, I'm a paraphrase. But when you take on this path, you will not be you will you will be inconvenienced like yeah. it comes with it. Yeah. And so just accepting that part of it is just kind of like, well, I'm ready to fight. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's just kind of like you because you'll also be inconvenienced, mm-hmm. you know, taking a safer path too. Yeah. like me being at that job. Oh, yes. It torture. Torture. Yeah. And then this is how spiritual I am sometimes. My this wisdom came from me, came to me from an unlikely place. It was hanging out with a date mm-hmm. and he was just running his mouth. I don't know. He, mm-hmm. was just he dropped a gem. He dropped a gem. He was just kind of like he said to me, you know, people like to sh- to skip the struggle. Mm hmm. And there's no lesson without the struggle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Facts. he is absolutely right. And because it drives you crazy trying to avoid the struggle. Yes. You end up creating more struggle for yes. yourself and not in the right direction. Yes. You and could, also, and then, like I said, this, like before, the struggle is what you needed all along. Mm-hmm. It is. It's to grow you. And then also, like when you think about filmmaking, 
Mm-hmm. There has to be conflict. Has to be, and that's no what makes you feel good at the end, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When, when you get the resolution, yeah, it's part of the story. It's like the formula to like a good movie, Absolutely. or a good show. It's but like we avoid that shit in real life. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like crazy. People are not gonna watch something that doesn't have conflict and doesn't give them something at the end because it's, yeah. it's not relatable. That's really deep. Very deep. Very Shondell. deep. That is a little <laughs> deeper than I was. I, I expected from that little nugget. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so true though. Yeah. Think think about anything that you consume. It like it has a level of conflict in it, yeah. and it has a level of getting something from it, which would be a resolution. Like Absolutely. I need to feel something at the end of like watching this. Otherwise, Absolutely. it's anticlimactic. Well, that was a high. Well, that's a good way. To, <laughs> I that's think that's a, a great way to end. Yes. yes. Oh my God. <laughs> well, thank you to the incredible Terry Torrington. So, so you know, at the end, you know, let the people know. Like, so where do people follow you? Yes. Uh, like, what are the projects that people need to know about, okay. and if they have anything associated or attached to that that we need to know sure. about? Um. So my personal Instagram is at Terry Toro. Um. I'm also on Twitter at Terry Toro as well. Um, you can follow at Slay TV where you can see all of our amazing programming mm-hmm. and, you know, content coming out of there. Um, coming soon, um, I do, we do have a sketch comedy show coming out Ooh. called Gag. Um, I think I saw a trailer for yeah. it. Mojo was like, oh. Mojo was like, it. yeah. We had a little. She pulled the, the, was it a night? It was yeah, a night. That was, was a night. too. That <laughs> so, shit was funny. Oh, I, was about I to love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we got a little writer's room going yes. on. And, you know, that was like a little special we put out. So that's dropping in. 2020 love love cute, cute. well you're amazing I, thank you i really this has been a long time coming we've been mm-hmm. trying to do this so i feel like honored to have you here i'm really thank proud you. of what you guys have managed to do thank you and i'm i'm excited because mm-hmm. i feel like this is just the beginning for you guys yes so. absolutely yeah. keep on trucking yeah thank you thank you for having me of yes, course, yes. Of course. It's thank pleasure. you so much <laughs> yeah so you know what we say okay so we have a mantra that we we do when we we're here so mm-hmm. you can say take no shit because it's most people want to okay. say the cuss word so we okay you know we have a mantra here mm-hmm. um at no days off mm-hmm. like, brother you can mm-hmm. you can start us off so mm-hmm. take a little time to get to know yourself mm-hmm. take no shit and take no, no days, days off okay. thank you so much you guys we love you we love you we love you Peace. Peace. no days off